0: Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls, and Alliance Defending Freedom, defending the First Amendment rights of free speech and religious liberty. Visit crawfordmediagroup.net and click on their banners to donate. And now, here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Back
1: with another episode of the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with, of course, all of the guys, Roger and John, Neil, myself, Bob. Hey, guys, how are you?
2: Great. Doing great. Bob, how are you?
1: Uh, doing very well, thank you. Everybody get Christmas shopping done yet? We're four yes. guys. Nobody should no. have it done.
2: <laughs> yep. Oh, wait. <laughs> <All boy. done. laughs> yeah, except Almost. Roger, right? Roger, yeah, you got have... it all done, right? Yeah, no, John's the one who has it all done. Oh, John? He, he's that... one of those... July shopping guys,
1: yes for sure. <laughs> oh, whatever, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Kick <laughs> no. him out of the, kick him out of the he man woman haters club, <laughs> right. right? So, uh, that's all right. I, I know it's it's pathetic. Typically, guys are just horrible about that. Actually, what we depend on is for our wives to do all of the shopping, send out all the Christmas cards and then just hand us a card that we can write our name like at the bottom of it or something and then we get the credit for being such a thoughtful son or whoever it is that the cards were sent to. So uh, to me, it's just uh, thank God for wives to cover for us. Make us look good. Uh, So this week... We're going to talk about a lot of things Christmas-related. That's most of what this podcast is going to be about, many different aspects of Christmas. Uh, Should churches be open this Sunday morning, being Christmas morning, yes or no? Uh, Nativity scenes, and we're going to separate some fact from fiction. Uh, And the virgin birth, what's the significance of the virgin birth and Should it matter? How much should it matter that Jesus was born of a virgin? And there are some Christians who say we shouldn't celebrate Christmas and put up Christmas trees because of pagan origins connected to a lot. So we're going to discuss a lot of those things. Before we get into all things Christmas, though, uh, we're going to discuss a political thing that's happening in the news this week. As you folks know, the so-called select committee, uh, January 6th committee, They wrapped up on Monday of this week and they finished by laying out their case against Donald Trump regarding January 6th and have issued referrals for four criminal charges to the Attorney General Merrick Garland. Now we wait and see, is Merrick Garland going to indict Donald Trump, which would really be a a staggering thing to see in America that a former president of the United States could be charged with a crime in this case, let alone January 6 being treated as a crime. And then how would this unfold? I mean, is there actually going to potentially be a mug shot of a former president of the United States? Would he have to do a perp walk? Would he be put in handcuffs? Would he, How does this work? Would he actually be wearing an orange jumpsuit to the delight of the gals on The View? Uh, or is all of this moot because Merrick Garland would not actually really bring charges for something like this? Obviously, there's there's one big difference. If, if he did bring charges and this were actually in a court of law, here's what would be different about it. Trump would actually be allowed to mount a defense, unlike the January 6th hearings, which are strictly one-sided in a court of law. The entire other side of the story would be told. There would actually be cross-examine, cross-examination of witnesses. All of the things that have been denied in this sham January 6th hearing could not be denied in a court of law. And I have a feeling that the Democrats might possibly be a little bit nervous about the idea of, wait a minute, if there's both sides presented and our arguments get to be cross-examined and shredded, For the public view to see, might this actually backfire on the Democrats when the American public realizes, oh, wait a minute here – uh, it sounded like they had a pretty airtight case against trump until i heard this counter argument this counter argument this counter argument and now suddenly wow i can see how political those democrats were so it's possible it could play out that way i don't even know if an indictment's going to be brought we'll have to wait and see let's go around the table though and and talk about this and get some some take and some analysis on this roger maybe we could start with you roger marsh of course the bottom line from the people's republic of california uh, your thoughts on this Referral to the Department of Justice for criminal charges regarding January 6th against Donald Trump. And do you think Mary Garland will actually? bring charges.
2: Well, Bob, one of the things I think that we have to take into consideration, of course, is timing. First of all, they're making the recommendations the week of Christmas. They don't expect any kind of activity on this until after the first of the year. Once a new Congress is sworn in, you're right. I, for one, would kind of like to see the trial because I'd love to hear what Nancy Pelosi knew. I'd like to hear what the Democrats knew. This so-called bipartisan committee was seven Democrats and two Republicans, and the Republicans are Trump-hating Liz Cheney and Trump-hating Adam Kitzinger. So, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it was a Democrat onslaught on Donald. Trump. And the left would love to see Donald Trump, you know, do the perp walk, as you mentioned. Oh, we got him in cuffs. Oh, they're sweating now. You know, he's going to face real time. The the reality is, I don't think they have a strong enough case. These are recommendations, air quotes, that's not really, you know, the type of actual crime that you would see, you know, someone actually charged for. Merrick Garland hasn't done a very good job as attorney general. Do they need a hit piece on him? Uh, maybe they do, maybe they don't, I'm not sure. As long as they can keep this in the headlines, though, I think this will be, it'll have some kind of value to the Democrats into the mainstream media, but in terms of whether or not an actual crime was committed, well, let, let's take into consideration the fact that if this does go to trial, and it does go like Center for Medical Progress did here in California, uh, David Daleiden, Center for Medical Progress actually went to court on a number of bogus charges that were brought up in California courts. And the reality is, even though you've had Planned Parenthood now under oath, admitting to everything that he accused them of doing, they still found him guilty of $3 million worth of fines. You know, it's amazing to me how many times... We see this happen and we think, well, <clears throat> this is Donald Trump. This is the Center for Medical Progress. It's not going to happen to me. Our, our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom are handling a case right now with College of the Ozarks. And College of the Ozarks, a great Christian university. They they have a five-star hotel or two on campus, and, and every student gets a chance to work there and learn that trade, if they so choose, and basically graduate tuition-free. They honor biblical principles. And the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals recently ruled against them in the, Biden, the Joe Biden Title IX gender equity deal, which would basically force them to allow men who identify as women to use women's showers and women's storms. And it got me thinking, okay, I'm a grandfather. My oldest granddaughter is 12. She's going to be heading off to college in a few years what does this say for me that she might even choose to go to a Christian college or Christian university and this kind of law would be there. And now all of a sudden we're the ones fighting it. You know, Lisa and I are mounting a legal defense. I want Alliance defending freedom on my side. I mm-hmm. want them to, to take this case, you know, for, for me and for us. And I realized that we each of us in this roundtable, and each of us in our listening audience, is maybe one click away from that type of thing happening, and that's why I urge our bottom line, our National Crawford Roundtable listeners, to support Alliance Defending Freedom. We have a link for a banner up at CrawfordMediaGroup.net where you can make a donation. You can support them. A hundred-dollar gift right now goes a long way because. All of the people that they represent, they don't have any sort of uh, legal or financial obligation to uh, Alliance Defending Freedom. They handle the cases pro bono. Our donations make that possible. So I, I urge our National Crawford Roundtable listeners to go to Alliance Defending Free or to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Make a donation for Alliance Defending Freedom, Group.net. We also have a toll-free number you can call if it's easy to do it over the phone. It's 877-367-6461. Make a donation because this is the kind of thing, I mean, if we look at the Donald Trump situation with this kangaroo court, the January 6th uh, caucus here, uh, you know, it's easy for us to say, boy, they're coming after Donald Trump hot and heavy, but the reality is each of us could be potentially a step away from needing that kind of legal help as well.
1: Mm, That's so true. Well, uh, talking about the January 6th, let's uh, continue our way around the table here. Neil Boron, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. Just your thoughts on these charges being leveled basically against Trump. It's a referral for charges, of course, to the DOJ. By the way, we got conspiracy to defraud the United States, obstruction of an official proceeding, conspiracy to make a false statement, and inciting assisting and aiding and comforting an insurrection against the country those are the four charge referrals that have been given to the doj what's your thought on this and do you think merrick garland will actually do this
3: uh who knows bottom line is this has been good political theater for the democrats and i don't think it's really mounted to much more than that really i mean they have no teeth in these four recommendations the wall street journal there was an opinion piece today i think i don't remember who wrote it but you know made the point that that these recommendations have all of the force of an inner office memo basically i mean the justice department will do what the justice department feels they need to do if they feel that any of these charges or similar charges could actually stick to be honest i mean this is me speaking now this is my opinion piece if if he was going to be prosecuted on anything or people are going to go after him on anything I, I think the only thing that really has any merit is the last 90 minutes of the whole event. Uh, you know, where was the president? Why didn't he act sooner? He knew what was going on. How come he didn't call in the National Guard? That, that kind of stuff. But even so, I don't think anything that happened that day in that sense was criminal. And I think it's a big charade designed to keep the American people focused on orange man bad, period.
1: Yeah. Uh, John Rush, Rush Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Your analysis on this.
4: Um, Again, make sure that we're clear on this. No charges. This is a recommendation only. The DOJ has to make the decision as to what they do moving forward. It's weak stuff at best, guys. I mean, aid and comfort to an insurrection, which, by the way, they've never proven, nor has there ever been a single arrest in that specific topical manner at all. There's been other arrests for other things, but nothing that they directly can attest to an insurrection. So if there's no insurrection, what did he aid and comfort? And furthermore, aid and comfort can mean so many different things. I mean, if this is the best they can do, they need to go back to the drawing board.
1: Yeah, yeah, can, really I, do.
3: can I just yeah. jump in real quick? John, you make a good point that, again, we want, we, we want to reiterate no charges against the president. These aren't charges. These are recommendations. But what I wanted to say is I've probably watched half dozen, you know, mainstream media reports on this over the last couple of days. And they're careful to bury a disclaimer in the story but if you're the average person listening casually mm. the vast majority of american people think charges are being filed against the mm. president and they're not right, right? But again right. it's that's just right. spin it's political spin
1: yeah it's, it's a good referral one. that's good because the congress has no power to actually indict all they can do is make a referral and say to the doj hey here's what you think here's what we think you ought to do <laughs> But to me, let's pretend Merrick Garland decided to do this. Let's pretend he, he, he actually does really bring charges. I think the man's got to be hauled before the new Republican-controlled House and explain himself and, and basically explain to Congress and to the American people why he is charging Donald Trump for January 6th. But he is not indicting or bringing charges against any of the Democrats who incited the Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots with their kind of rhetoric. Let's remember, while the riots were going on, while people were actually being killed and bloodied and left in the streets, while this was happening, Kamala Harris went on Stephen Colbert's show and said, these protests are not going to stop, and they shouldn't stop. Now, you can argue, Well, yeah, but I don't think she was talking about the deadly rioting. I think she was talking about the peaceful Black Lives Matter protesters. Okay, well, hold on a minute. If that's the case, then why doesn't that same principle apply to Donald Trump? That Donald Trump wasn't encouraging the people that attacked the Capitol. He was talking to the other 99% of peaceful protesters who didn't do that. You can't have it both ways. So why isn't Merrick Garland bringing charges against any of these Democrats? And, And let's remember... If the argument here is that Donald Trump incited this attack on the Capitol because he was saying things that reinforced what they were angry about. In other words, they were angry because they feel the election was stolen. Donald Trump is publicly saying the election is stolen. Therefore, he's fueling what they're angry about, and that makes him complicit. If that's the argument, if that's the logic— Why were the Black Lives Matter and Antifa rioters burning down cities? Because they were claiming and they believe that America is systemically racist and that law enforcement is systemically racist targeting black people. So by this logic, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, all the rest of the Democrats, they openly and repeatedly declared that very thing. America's systemically racist. Law enforcement is targeting black people. They're systemically racist. So by this very same logic, the Democrats and their rhetoric have to be complicit in the inciting of these riots that burned down cities that were way, way, way more violent than January 6th. I'd also like to see Merrick Garland have to explain in Congress why... He has refused to bring any charges against the people that were protesting outside of Supreme Court justices' homes in violation of federal law. It is a crime to do that, punishable by up to a year in prison, not one charge brought against the hundreds of people out there doing that. He's going to have to explain why no charge has been brought against groups like Jane's Revenge, who have been firebombing churches and pro-life centers across this country, uh, why no charges against them? And of course, why no charges against Hunter Biden? So he's going to have a lot of explaining to do if he actually tries to bring these trumped up charges, pun intended, against Donald Trump. So we'll see. And by the way, can I just say to everybody listening right now, when I mentioned Jane's revenge and the firebombing of pro-life centers across this country— let me take a moment and remind everybody right now, with everything going on politically and everything happening with Christmas we're getting ready to talk to about, with you about in a little bit, it doesn't change the fact, folks, that we still have unborn babies that are being killed in their mother's womb all across this country. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, don't think that stops abortion. It doesn't. If anything else, it kicks the abortion industry into high gear. They're working harder than ever to try to push more abortions. That's why we, as believers in Christ, we, as pro-lifers, we need to fight harder than ever to save these babies' lives. And that's why you hear us talking about pre-born every day. Remember, pre-born is a pro-life ministry that partners with pro-life pregnancy centers all across this country to show ultrasound images of babies to the moms. And when a mom sees an ultrasound image of her baby, it's the first time she's ever seen a picture of her baby. And that's why statistically, those moms choose life 83% of the time, 83%. So that's why it's so important for us to get ultrasound images in front of these moms' eyes. But it takes money to do that, everybody. So here's what we're looking at. $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion, to save one baby's life. We're asking everybody listening to us right now to give $280 to stop 10 abortions. Would you prayerfully consider doing that right now? $280 to save 10 babies' lives. It's this simple. Go to crawfordmediagroup.net, crawfordmediagroup.net, click on the preborn tab, and you can give right there. And 100% of what you give goes to funding ultrasounds, not a dime for overhead. Now, we're coming up on the end of the year, and I know that there are some of you in the audience that have been blessed financially by God. There's some of you maybe that own a business. Maybe you could use a nice tax write-off this year. Ultrasound machines themselves cost $15,000. We need some of you listening right now that would be willing to give $15,000. Again, every dime of that goes to buy the ultrasound machine. Not a dime of it goes for overhead. This will be a tax write-off for you, and your legacy will be that you're responsible for stopping thousands and thousands of abortions over the years. So can you do that right now? Once again, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab. And then for everybody else, we need 280 from you, all right? So do that, and if you want to do it over the phone, you can call right now as well, 833 850 baby. They answer the phones 24 hours a day. Okay. So a three three eight five zero baby We appreciate you folks doing that. As we continue the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, talking about right now, the January 6th sham hearings and the referrals of criminal charges to the Department of Justice and what's going to happen with that. You know, uh, John, one final thing I wanted to ask you about this. It does seem that we need to uh, we need to do a little bit of fact checking on January 6th. None of us are defending the original couple of hundred people that stormed their way Correct. past police into the, None of us have defended that at all. Uh, and we got to remember, it was only a couple of hundred people that actually did that originally. That's when the police opened up, they opened the doors and moved the barricades and stood back and allowed people to walk in. And then an additional 600 or so people walked into the Capitol. That's where we hear the numbers of 800 or so. But actually fighting the police was a couple of hundred people. They were dead wrong for doing it. But my goodness, if, if we're going to say that this is now criminal activity that donald trump is not even allowed no matter what you think of him personally if he's not even allowed to speak at a rally and give his grievances about what he thinks uh, happened here he wasn't trying to overthrow the government he wasn't trying to force mike pence to violate the constitution trump has his lawyers that say the vice president did have the authority to put a temporary hold on certifying those swing states and send it back to the individual secretaries of state of their own states for further review. Mike Pence's lawyer said, no, we don't think you have the authority, so it's lawyer versus lawyer. Okay, fine, but to somehow spin this, John, into he was trying to uh push an insurrection. He was trying to get the Vice President of the United States to violate the Constitution and overthrow democracy in the United States. Mm-hmm. This is just ridiculous language, let alone it criminal is. charge referrals.
4: It is. And to your point, it, this is a, I'm, I've, we've said it on here many, many times. We're not condoning, in fact, have condemned those those early people that did the Absolutely. things that we have said personally, you know, if we had been there, we would not have done that. I personally would not have done that. I think there's better ways to handle things right. and so on. But at the end of the day... There was no insurrection. Nothing happened out of this. It was a lot to do about nothing. No one's even been charged, as I said earlier, as an insurrectionist. There's been other charges brought for other things, you know, you know, destroying property, things along those lines. But there's n- there been no charges at all as far as an insurrection goes, yet the other side continues to use that word, because to Neil's point earlier, that's what the spin is, that's what it's all about. The fact that they're even claiming now that these are quote-unquote charges against President Donald Trump. They're not. These are simply, as you said, Bob, recommendations that the DOJ can determine what they want to do or not do. And frankly, uh, I i would be surprised, although its it is, it is the Democrat, it is the left, but I will be surprised if this goes any further than what it is right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, It seems to me, Roger, that this is nothing more than revenge on the part of the Democrats. They want revenge against Trump for 2016. They want revenge for his four years of pro-life, pro-Christian, conservative policies. They want revenge for his... uh, 200 plus conservative pro-life and Christian judges on benches across this country. They want revenge for moving the chess pieces so Roe v. Wade gets overturned. They're just so furious and angry that they want to get whatever revenge they can on him, on anybody connected to him, and at the same time try to ensure that there's no chance of him being able to be president again in 2024. But I see a lot of just revenge from the Democrats in in this particular case. And you do wonder politically, when is the blowback going to happen? You know, Roger, it's like, what does it take for liberal Democrat, Democrat voters to get turned off by what their own party's been doing?
2: You know, it really is interesting, Bob, as you mentioned, that, that there are all of these uh, referrals for charges about what happened on January the 6th. But no one on the left seems the slightest bit interested in what I believe and I think we would all agree are... Uh, hundreds of unconstitutional law changes to the voting process that happened over the course of the four years leading up to the Mm -hmm. election. And and was it time where Newsweek actually documented them and said, Well, we had to do this because we're trying to save democracy. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I mean, what kind of insurrection are you talking about here? Are you afraid of a quote unquote insurrection because a bunch of mouthy people started, you know, banging on the door of the Capitol building and all of a sudden AOC was concerned even though she wasn't anywhere near the place? Or are you more concerned with the fact that a state Supreme Court or a Secretary of State or an Attorney General or some legislative body, like in uh, the president's home state, I'm talking about President Biden, that actually voted among themselves to change the mail-in voting laws for the 2022 midterms they did that in 2019 they did not have voter approval i mean they acted against their own state constitution but they said well no we want to make sure mail-in voting is the way to go so we're just approving a law i mean you can't go forward like that and and look at this thing with a straight face right. and say well what are we gonna i mean donald trump is the problem a couple hundred oath keeper guys are the problem really when you think of the thousands of blm folks who were out during the 2020 and by the way. Has anyone seen BLM recently? Have you heard yeah, that name? I mean, no. seriously, what happened to all the changes they were pushing for and everything? The ninety million dollars that got misappropriated, ten million here and eight hundred forty thousand dollars there. The the media has a very seemingly short memory when it comes to that type of stuff. Everybody gets all their emotions out, and then, whew, okay, they'll calm back down, and we'll get them riled up again in twenty twenty four when we need that uh, that voting block. No, it, it's, oh, it's I really know. Just Belie- unbelievable what they're doing here. it is can i just throw
3: into yeah, you know uh, well said roger um who's to say that democratic strategists don't look at something like this and uh, you know you, you just raised the rhetorical question is trump the problem is trump always the problem well maybe actually in their minds trump is the solution because if they can keep him and the you know the vitriol that many americans feel towards him on the front burner that aids the Democrats long term. Let's just keep Donald Trump in the news as long as we possibly can, because if we can convince the American public that, you know, plotting insurrections against the government, and by the way, who would have been on his side anyway? He didn't have the military standing with him. He didn't have the Democrats. He didn't have law enforcement. He didn't even have half of his own party. How do you how do you handle a military coup with something like that? But the reality is, if you can keep Donald Trump, Orange Man Bad out in front of everybody and make make everyone believe that the world is going to hell in a handbasket if Donald Trump has anything to do about it, that aids them in the long run for future elections. And I think that they mm-hmm. love this kind of
1: political theater for that reason. Right, they do. And by the way, let me just say, If some people listening right now are like, how come you guys keep bringing up Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots, okay? Doing the whataboutism card. Uh, Folks, you got to remember something. Whataboutism is when you're trying to justify bad behavior. We're not trying to justify the bad behavior of the people that stormed into the Capitol. But what we are saying is we want equal justice under the law. And if cops are... If there's a speed trap and the speed limit's 70 and you have Democrat cars with Democrat bumper stickers that go 100 miles an hour through there and they don't get pulled over and you go 75 and you not only get pulled over, you get taken to the ground, handcuffed, and then sentenced to five years in prison, it is not whataboutism to go, wait a minute here, how come Democrats were allowed to go 30 over and I can't go five over or I get punished disproportionately in this way. This is exposing the double standard at play. It's not a quote-unquote whataboutism. Now, in the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast, we're going to talk all things Christmas, a lot of Christmas things to discuss. Before we do, though, I want to remind everybody, if you didn't give to Preborn earlier, please do that now. All right, It's $280, remember, to save 10 babies' lives, to stop 10 abortions by showing those ultrasound images of unborn babies to the expectant moms. This is how pre-born does this with pro-life centers all across the country. But it takes money to do this, folks. So would you right now make a decision to give $280? And you can know, you can go to bed at night, you can go into Christmas knowing, hey, our family has saved 10 babies' lives. We stopped 10 abortions. What a great legacy. And yes, if you're a business owner and you need a tax write-off and you can buy an ultrasound machine, that's $15,000 for an ultrasound machine. We need you to do that too. Tax write-off and everything you give, every dime goes to the ultrasound machines, not one penny for overhead. So go right now to crawfordmediagroup.net, crawfordmediagroup.net, click on preborn, and you can give right there. If you wanna do it over the phone, They answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So go ahead and call right now, 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable if you would. And can I also say, preborn? just to give you an idea, so far in 2022, they're on pace to stop about 50,000 abortions. And they're also on pace for somewhere around 10,000 decisions for Jesus Christ with these moms along the way. So I think it's a really good use of your money. Anyway, the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable coming up next. We look forward to you folks joining us for that. If your radio station you're listening to right now doesn't play the second half on your regular radio station, go to the website for your local radio station. Look at the program guide because sometimes they play the second half at a different time. You can listen to it there or you can just listen online right now. You can go to crawfordmediagroup.net or Apple Podcast Stitcher, tune in wherever you listen to your podcast. If you'd like to watch video of our podcast, you can do that at myhopenow.com. Second half, coming up next.
0: This has been a Crawford Media Group production.
1: Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with all of the guys, Roger, Neil, John, myself, Bob Duco. Okay, guys, the second half, let's talk all things Christmas. First, let's. Uh, I know we talked about this a little bit off the air, but just for the sake of the audience, guys are not supposed to have their Christmas shopping done before eleven o'clock on Christmas Eve. And John, this is true. You've actually got all of your Christmas shopping done, seriously.
4: Yeah, I start early. Okay. I mean, how, how does how I'm does that, that, that work? i be I don't, that guy, really. I, I've been that. I've been that way since I was. T- I talked about this on air the other day. We had kind of a little Christmas special we did, and, and honestly, guys, not. Not trying to sound, you know, proudful or anything along, prideful or anything along those lines, but from the time I started earning money with my paper route, I enjoyed Christmas. I love buying presents. I love giving presents. It's just part of who I am. So yeah, I start early and get things handled early because that's that's me. That's what I enjoy doing. So that's right. a love
2: language thing for you, John. It, it it is. really, Because that's not my love language at all. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm off the hook. Thanks. <laughs> what are Roger Bob and I excuse. getting this year, John. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, that means, John,
1: we should have received Christmas you gifts from yes. you by now. should have, yes. I'm just <laughs> saying, we have not. We have not. Waiting. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, oh, Your that gift figures.
4: is me each week. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, In that, that case,
1: <laughs> oh, there's so many places to go. Okay. <laughs> so uh, let's, uh, first of all, this year, December 25th happens to be on a Sunday. What do churches do? Now, my church is going to be open on Sunday morning, although they're doing a consolidated service instead of the two Sunday morning services they're just doing one combined. And I was talking with my pastor just the other day about this. And I was like, you know, we have no way to predict what's going to happen. This could go one extreme or the other. It could be everybody floods in there and it's like, wow, really? There's no room for everybody. You can't get both services into one. So, But this could go the other way. Both services combined, it could be like, really? we got 75% attendance with both services combined. So who really knows? But uh, uh, let's kind of go around the table. First of all, before we get to the pastors, John, let me ask you, should churches be open on Christmas morning or not? There are some Christians out there that say, hey, look, this is Sunday morning. We want to encourage time with our family. It's not that we're dissing Jesus. We're saying, come on, let's have Christmas morning with the kids. Don't put the pressure on us for getting up and going to church on Sunday morning. The counter argument, of course, is it's church, and we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. Come on, how would you not be in church? I don't know what's your take.
4: Well, you know, those people have to also remember that that staff that is you know, handling things for church, and I get it, it's their job, it's what they're paid to do, and so on. But they have families as well, and in a lot of cases... You know a lot of ministry. You know individuals. You know pastors and ministry workers and so on. They've got young kids as well and so on. And so you're you're affecting their families as well. And are you affecting their families in a positive way, a negative way? Keep in mind the majority of churches, at least in our area, do Christmas Eve service. In some cases, they'll do two or three services on Christmas Eve. And if you're that church doing Christmas Eve services that way, and you want to skip Sunday morning, in my opinion, go for it.
1: Yeah. I got to say, you bring up a very good point, though. One of my sons is like, well, I, I can't be there Christmas morning because we're having this other family event, so we're not able to go. So we're going to go to this family event. It says, I can't be there because I'm on the schedule to have to work at the church on Sunday morning, you know, he volunteers. And so it's like, well, okay, you're right. There's a lot of other people at church that are affected by this as well. Right. So hence the debate, I suppose. So let's well, and, see what the, and really quick, yeah. guys, this is
4: one of those things that I think sometimes even we as Christians forget about long-term. And it's what effect are we having on the families of that particular individual or, and by the way, it's not just immediate family, it's extended family as well. Is it having a positive effect or a negative effect? And I know some people come back and say, well, you know, it's a witness thing and I want to make sure that they know that I'm going to be there and blah, 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 blah. You know, on the same token... You know, guys, no offense, I don't think the Lord himself cares either way. This comes down to you, what you want to do as a church, but I would not give in to quote-unquote peer pressure from especially an older crowd that wants that to happen. I would do whatever is best for my staff is what I would do if I was a head pastor.
1: All right, so let's see what the pastors say on this. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live in New York. And I'm not, as you guys all know. Right, uh, me, right? that's right. Uh, <laughs> me and John, we are the we are the lay guys here. That's right. Uh, but let's get to the pastors. All right, Pastor Neil, what are you going to do at your church?
3: Uh, that's a good question because we're kind of between churches right now, so it depends which one we were going to. And actually, there's a variety of different options that we have for Sunday morning. However, let's just say that I was going to a church uh, that decided not to have it. I'd be in favor of that. If they decided to go ahead with it, I'd be in favor of it. I honestly think this is one of those things where people need to get before the holy spirit and find out what the holy spirit has to say and then do that like let's just uh, a hypothetical for a second let's say you get in the car you're headed to church on christmas sunday morning and the lord impresses you to turn and go in a different direction go and visit your aging grandfather or father or mother in a nursing home and share christ with them one last time because all of their lives they've rejected the gospel then i say go do that like I think right. the I think part of what bothers me about it is if people think well we're going to cancel church on Sunday, that means that we really care more about just opening gifts and Santa Claus and stuff. You can't you can't make that leap. That's just legalism embodied like i I, and and there's i did actually have this conversation on the air it was kept pretty civil you know and pretty reasonable people had good things to say but we also put it on our facebook page at wdcx radio on facebook and man people started blowing each other up it was it turned into an all-out war with people saying stuff like well wait a second here you'll get in the car and you'll go all the way across town for your uncle's birthday for your cousin's birthday you'll bring presents to celebrate their birthday on september 4th or november 8th or whatever but on december 25th which by the way is probably not the real birthday of jesus i think we're going to talk about that right you know you can't you can't spend one hour in in church worshiping the king of kings well uh for the i don't think honestly that jesus cares exactly how or where we worship just that we worship him in spirit and in truth because honestly some people could show up to be seen by their neighbors and friends and the people that sit in the pew next to him like hey look at me i'm in church here on a sunday morning and i really wish i could be at home right now getting ready to watch football games and open presents but i'll endure the service i mean the lord's looking at your heart anyway so right. uh let's do what he shows us to do and i'm 100 comfortable with that reality
1: yeah uh roger marsh of course you are also a Pastor, what's your take on Sunday morning? What should pastors do this Sunday?
2: Well, you know what should they do? What should they not do? Everybody's looking for the the answer to that question. You know, there are so many compelling reasons for worshiping on Sunday morning and saying that Sunday, so it's Christmas Day or whatever day it is that that's the day we should worship as a congregation. There's also that uh, that uh, dialogue about you know what about Christmas Eve? I mean, if you want to get all Jewish on it, that the, the day of Christmas begins at the actual moment when the sun goes down on Christmas Eve. Right. So I mean, technically, mm-hmm. you've got you've got that kind of checking off the box. Uh, the only thing that I would Say to pastors who are having this conversation, and of course, you've already made your decision now. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot we can do to move the needle this year and next year. The only excuse that really rankles me is that we're not going to have services because no one's coming anyway. I mean, I've been part of a church congregation for half my life that has an early morning Sunday service that has 15 or 20 people. The church has a membership of over 800. They've been doing this traditional worship service for God knows how long, and it's communion, it's the full uh, everything, and and it's a really small but very devoted group of people that that show up and worship. If you are going to purpose to have worship, have worship. If you're not going to have it, don't have it. But don't do it just because, well, it's Christmas and no one's coming. I mean, that's the yeah. only thing that kind of rankles me in terms of that. And, you know, it, it, we should be grateful because here we are at a time when we have the opportunity to worship again, you know, the past couple of years, we've had COVID restrictions and, you know, lockdowns and things of that nature. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful for organizations like Alliance Defending Freedom, who partners with us, who stand in the gap for churches, who stand in the gap for individuals, who stand in the gap for pro-life resource centers, you know, and and and, and will take up the cause for those. Because as the culture has gotten more hostile toward uh, religious liberty, our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom are the ones who are actually standing in the gap, the world's largest legal organization committed to protecting religious freedom and free speech and parental rights, the sanctity of life, and and whether or not churches could stay open during a pandemic. And here we are coming up on the end of the year, and I just want to make an appeal to uh, National Crawford Roundtable podcast listeners to support Alliance Defending Freedom and the work that they are called to do. Your $100 donation, your $250 donation, your $1,000 donation goes such a long way. All of the cases they handle, and their success rate is mighty, over 80% of their cases victorious. But the, the success rate they have is based largely on the fact that people will engage with Alliance Defending Freedom simply because they don't have to pay for it. I mean, they they provide their services pro bono, and then they ask people like us to stand in the gap and support. And if you've ever felt that your religious liberty was being threatened, if you if you're a part of a, a pregnancy resource center that uh, has had you know those nasty knocks on the door, maybe even some kind of uh, vandalism that's happened there, I think we're all just one step away from the Potential for having to need an Alliance Defending Freedom uh, legal team to help us in a case like this. So this isn't just out there for those people. It, it's really something that we walk in this truth every day too. Uh, we have a banner at CrawfordMediaGroup.net, and I encourage you to click click the banner, make a donation, support Alliance Defending Freedom. It's CrawfordMediaGroup.net. There is a toll free number, by the way, 877-367-6461. You can make, make a donation over the phone. But uh, I appreciate um, all of our National Crawford Roundtable podcast listeners considering a gift to support Alliance Defending Freedom because the decision as to whether or not a church should be open or not shouldn't be left up to the courts. It shouldn't be left up to the the governor or the legislatures. It should be something that pastors and lay people have that discussion about, just like we're having a discussion right here.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, Look, ADF is out there fighting for all of us. Can we at least support them in their fight for us? Absolutely, we should. Uh, we're talking all things Christmas, of course, and so let's let's talk about some of the fact from fiction regarding the nativity scenes. I mean, look, we have a nice big nativity scene in our house. You walk in our front house, and there in the foyer, it's a nice big nativity scene set up. And okay, and I look at that nativity scene, and I think to myself. Okay, well, you know, it's not accurate. It's not biblically accurate. We know that. Your average nativity scene is not actually really what it looked like when Jesus was born. First of all, we know he wasn't born on December 25th. The shepherds were out working in the field. It was uh, either the spring or the fall most likely that Jesus was born. Uh, but, you know, so what? We do December 25th, we pretty much stole it from the winter solstice, Saturnalia people. Okay, fine. Uh, but then there's there's other things. Three wise men. Well, it wasn't three wise men. There were three gifts, gold frankincense and myrrh, but we have no idea how many magi there actually were. And then for that matter, we know that it wasn't really a stable. It wasn't like a wooden stable with Jesus kind of in a trough. It most likely would have even been a cave, but not a wooden stable with cows in the background or whatever. But uh, this is what's turned into kind of the traditional nativity scene. Not to mention the fact that we see the magi showing up when Jesus is a newborn baby, when actually, if you look in scripture, it's a house that they went to, and he was probably a toddler. So... uh, I'm just kind of curious. Does that really matter? I'll be honest with you. To me, it makes no difference whatsoever. The issue is Jesus being born and the the story of the nativity itself and the significance of Jesus coming to earth, not the details of how we've culturally changed. The image of it but there's some people that say no you know right is right wrong is wrong and it's biblically inaccurate and so it bothers me it doesn't bother me but i'm just kind of curious what's every, what everybody thinks about that john what's your take on that
4: I'll just put the wise men off to the side and i'm good <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, so, so is why John Rush finishes his Christmas shopping in July. <laughs> that, is, exactly. that is
2: exactly why.
1: <laughs> All right, so just separate them a little bit so That's it doesn't it. look like – make them a couple of years away from getting That's there. That's right. They're on their way. And, and by the way, you can you can buy different – Doesn't you can buy a whole bunch of different Magi men. You can buy a bunch of statues of men and you can sure have you any could. number of them that you want, right? You're right.
4: Doesn't have to be okay. Three. Be so all one. right.
1: So put seven of them and space them a little bit so yeah. that uh, they're not getting there. Yeah. You know, but the to your point,
4: Bob, off. at the end of the day, you know, am I going to make a big deal out of it or break fellowship with someone over the fact that you know they've got wise men in their in their scene or that they don't even have the manger set up correctly? To your point, most likely was not a wooden little uh, you know uh, feeding trough. It was probably a large rock in a cave. I mean, anyways, th- doesn't matter. At the end of the right. day, who okay. cares?
1: That's good. All right. So Roger, you're a pastor. So if if you came to my house and walked in the foyer, it wouldn't bother you that I do have three wise men there and they're each carrying one of the three gifts. And I do have Jesus as a baby and they're joining him as a baby. And of course he's in a wooden feeding trough on a bunch of hay. Uh, And so you wouldn't be, you wouldn't raise an eyebrow if you walked in and saw me having that on display then.
2: Any more than you would be upset if you went to a Christmas pageant at your church and found a bunch of three-year-old girls dressed as angels, you know, we, we, you know <laughs> for true. looking like precious moments figurines, when we know that that's not in fact the case. I, I think it's important for us to major in the majors. We, we know that Gabriel spoke to Mary, Gabriel spoke to Joseph, the angels, you know, the multitude of the heavenly hosts for the, the shepherds. Christ was born, John leapt for joy and. the Elizabeth womb. I mean, those are the majors. And yes, there were magi who did come visit Simeon, Anna, all those things are, are pretty much non-negotiables and we get them. I'll be honest with you. Uh, Raymond Arroyo, Fox News contributor, wrote a book mm-hmm. this year called The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. Right. And it's about new research he did on the whole magi thing. And I think it's fascinating. So I, I think it it is possible. To have one foot firmly planted on the this is what we know and we know this is true. And the other part saying, well, as far as the cultural legend and legacy type of stuff, let's learn what really happened. Because it's not like we learned this when we were five and six years of age and we just stay in that in that space. As we grow and we grow closer in in our relationship with God and deeper in our knowledge of Him and everything that He has in store for us, I believe that that's part of the discovery. So I don't think it's certainly worth breaking fellowship over. I will point out, though, something that has been kind of a pet peeve of mine this year, as Lisa and I are also in the the Boron family camp in terms of in-between churches. We've been doing a lot of church shopping, if you will, online. And the gaudy, over-the-top Christmas presentations that we're seeing, I'm thinking, you know, all I can hear is, you know, uh, you know, God cutting side-eye at the church and Jesus just shaking his head. I mean, in all honesty, saying, you know, where am I in there? You know, hello, what's <laughs> going on here? I mean, I appreciate, you know, the pageantry and, you know, really trying to make it a spectacle. But at some point, it's like, wait a minute. I mean, how far off are we from... You know, I mean, we're majoring in minors and in some cases, not even bringing the Lord into it. And i not—that's not an indictment on the church on the whole, but it's just an observation as someone who's been in pastoral ministry for a number of years and in a local congregation that was relatively small. It is kind of fascinating to look across the country and see some of these big—you know—one church in Texas has a thousand people in their Christmas pageant. You know, that was a Sunday morning worship service, and no one had a problem with it. So I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of a different take. That's just my two cents. I felt like sharing. Right. Neil, what's your take on all this? I read an article recently about a
3: church that had Santa Claus zip lining in from the balcony.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I missed that one. Where was it? Give oh, yeah, me the link. Oh,
3: <laughs> praise <laughs> the Lord! You know, and since, <laughs> since you brought it up, I am going to go there for one second and go back to our previous part of our conversation, and I'm going to bet you hundred dollars of John Rush's money that some of the churches on on Christmas that don't meet in person but do meet online are actually pre recorded so that the families mm. and the pastor can be with their, their congregation, or with their families, you know, instead of uh, having yeah. to be with the congregation. But anyway, um, the Magi, uh, it doesn't matter to me. I, I think what's most important, to me anyway, uh, is that we remember that, that God came in the flesh. And so the idea of the Magi being there when he was a baby reminds us that he came as a baby, you know, that he came to earth, mm. that He that all of this miracle happened. I know we're going to talk about the virgin birth here in just a minute. But, you know, it kind of puts them in the moment at that point. I've I've read articles over the years, I'm pretty sure that it indicated that they may have arrived as early as 10 days after the birth or as late as a couple years, and everything in between, most of them being like in the 40-day to a couple of months range, but there's a lot of widespread disagreement about it. How much does it matter? I think it matters that they came. The Bible says that they came. And um, and that they saw the Christ Child, whether he was one day old or six months old or something in between or whatever. How, how does that really matter? Doesn't matter right. to me at all. You
1: know? Yeah, it's kind of how I look at it too. And and by the way, I do want to remind everybody as well that when you hear us talking about saving babies' lives, uh, stopping abortions, giving to preborn, for those of you that have given already, we very much appreciate that we do. And you know what your money is doing? It's saving babies' lives through pre-born. To the rest of you listening, if you haven't given yet, please do it now. Coming up on the end of the year, it's a nice tax write-off for you too. Remember, pre-born partners with pro-life pregnancy centers across the country by showing ultrasound images of those unborn babies to the expectant moms. And those moms choose life 83% of the time when they see an ultrasound image of their baby. So we got to show these images, but it does take money. So $28 stops one abortion. That's the average cost. That's why we ask everybody to give $280 to save 10 babies' lives. Would you do that today? Now, hey, if you can do $1,000 to save 100 babies' lives, that would be great. But for most people, we're asking for 280, uh, 10 babies' lives. This is your legacy. And here's how easy it is. Go to net and click on the Preborn tab. And you can give right there. CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on Preborn. Go ahead and donate right there. And you you can know also 100% of everything you give, every dime, goes to fund ultrasounds. There's nothing for overhead. So, would you prayerfully consider doing that now? CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on preborn. If you want to give over the phone, just call right now, 833 850 BABY, because they answer to the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they're ready for your call right now. So, 833 850 BABY. Let's stop these abortions. Let's save some babies' lives. As we talk, uh, all Things Christmas now here on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Uh, what about the virgin birth? Okay, uh, Neil, you're a pastor. Look, Jesus was born of a virgin. We know this. But there are some people who say, well, it doesn't really matter, and can we really prove this? And so what if if you don't believe that he was born of a virgin, it seems to me this is a critical tenet of faith because the Messiah was prophesied about that he would be born of a virgin. We see this in Isaiah. So prophecy about the Messiah is wrong if he's not born of a virgin. But then also if he's not, That means it wasn't the Holy Spirit impregnating Mary. It was Joseph. And if it was Joseph, now we have Adam's bloodline that's connected to Jesus. It makes it harder to make a case that he is sinless. Uh, It could theoretically affect the deity. Now you're taking a full human being and converting him to deity status instead of him automatically being God by being implanted by the Holy Spirit. So to me, it seems that... This is an important tenet of faith, and we can't just dismiss the need for virgin birth here. And I would argue we can believe logically it happened, especially when you look at Luke's account. Luke, remember, he was an historian and a physician, a medical doctor. Luke's putting his reputation on the line when he's carefully investigating everything. Luke, this physician, was convinced medically that this was a virgin birth, and so I'm saying this did actually happen in history, and biblically and theologically and doctrinally, it is crucial, I would argue, but I'd like your take as a pastor.
3: It's absolutely crucial because Jesus wasn't born as a sinless individual if he was born of man. Exactly. Uh, yeah, sin comes through the man. So, so at that point, the entire tenets of Christianity begin to break down. And you might say, well, how do you prove this? well um in one sense obviously we can only come to christ by faith and bob you're an apologist you can do a much better job than i about you know explaining this but the reality is you know joseph thought thought and sought to put away mary like how am i going to explain this one um and but then later came to his senses and decided to go through with it why because he heard from an angel that this was true that mary was telling the truth that she hadn't been with anybody else that that this thing that was happening was of god so we see her reaction uh, of course, like, how could this be? I'm I'm just a young woman. I'm a virgin. I'm not married. And uh, God convinces her that this is of him. Uh, later, Joseph comes alongside and, you know, cooperates and fully stands by her during the entire process. And then Jesus himself faced, faced ridicule at times uh, in his own ministry. Like, hey, at least, you know, we weren't uh, born out of wedlock. Uh, so... The reality is there was opposition to this whole idea, but that's exactly what we get with the gospel anyway, the idea that some people just don't want to believe that God would actually do this for us. But it was part of God's salvation plan, that he would enter the human race, uh, do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, abide by the law, uh, God's law perfectly, live sinlessly, satisfy the wrath of God, and die in our place to forgive us and deliver us from our sin. Um, It's an incredible story that has to be received by faith, even though there is plenty of evidence to point to the fact that some... Something pretty unusual was going on,
1: right? Well, and you know, Roger, people will say sometimes, "Yeah, but virgin births—they just don't happen." And I'm like, "Yeah, and universes don't come into existence from nothing either." Uh, But here we are. So there's either a god or there's not a god. If if you If you want to be a hardcore atheist, then you have to explain to me how a universe came into existence from nothing. But if you accept that there's a God who created the universe, it seems to me that it's not that tough of a miracle for that God to impregnate a woman uh, as he did and to take on human flesh. But it does seem the virgin birth is uh, a very crucial tenet of faith. It's not something that we can treat as a tangential belief. Uh, Jesus is either either sinless or is not. He either carries the sin, sinful bloodline of Adam or he does not. He's either God incarnate on earth, God brought to earth, taken on human form, or he's not. He's just a created being who was turned into God somehow. So it seems that this really is a core tenet that we got to get right.
2: Absolutely, and you connect Genesis 1 to Luke 1, and you can see that connection right there, because right. how is this possible? You know, you take a look at the same God who's saying, okay, the Holy Spirit is overshadowing Mary, so therefore, you know, that that process is going to be, that's where God's part comes in. That's the same word uh, in the Luke chapter that you see in Genesis, in Genesis 1-2, where, you know, the earth is formless and void and God's hovering over this. I mean, he's he's getting ready to do this great creation. God created, he can create something out of nothing. I mean, quite frankly, he's God. So, of course, God can create the perfect son of God, you know, have that recreation happen in Mary's womb. Jesus had to be fully God and fully man. I mean, let's face it. The whole point of God sending his son into the world was to pay the penalty for our sin. But God can't sin. So, therefore, you have to have the man component in there that's capable of, you know, bearing the sin, but then the God component that is the perfect sacrifice. So, I mean, there's really, I mean, you think about this, if you want to try to gloss over the virgin birth, then basically you are basically throwing your Christianity out the, the window. I mean, the salvation plan doesn't work. Yeah. There's no possible way for it to work without the virgin
1: birth. No, so true. Can
2: I, Can I just add real quick?
1: Yeah, um, and real quick. We got about 30 seconds, actually.
3: I'm sorry. Um, Okay. You know, the bottom line is God created each and every one of us, so all of us, you know, we're created by God, but God is not the father of each one of us. He becomes our father when we submit to the reality that we need him, which is why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You were born once Mm -hmm. in the flesh. Now you got to be born from above, and that's what gets us involved in the heavenly family. We become a part of God's family.
1: Right. So true. So true. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a lot more, obviously, we would love to have been able to uh, talk about. You know, we didn't get into the pagan origins issue and such, but I think we're all pretty much in agreement on that, that uh, let's not be overly legalistic about things like this. We're not doing as a pagan does unless we're actually worshiping pagan gods as part of the cultural celebration of Christmas, and none of us are doing that. But we do want to ask you one last time. Before getting into Christmas, with all the money that you're spending on different things and buying the gifts and everything else, would you put on your Christmas list, hey, as a family, we're going to stop a few abortions. We're going to save 10 babies' lives. We're going to give $280 to pre-born right now and be responsible for stopping 10 abortions. Would you prayerfully consider doing that as a Christmas gift to these children that you're never going to be able to meet, but at least you know that they're alive thanks to your $280? Just go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab, and you can give right there. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn. You can also donate over the phone. Go to eight, call 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY. And remember, folks, that $280, 100% of what you give is going to go to fund the ultrasounds. And it's the ultrasound images of those babies that cause the moms to choose life. So that's what your $280 is going for. Is that a great cause? I think it is. So, again, CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the Preborn tab. Donate now. It's a nice tax write-off for you, too. We always appreciate you folks listening to us on the Crawford Media Roundtable. You know, you can listen to previous episodes by going to crawfordmediagroup.net or Apple Podcasts, Stitch or TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We certainly love, appreciate, and welcome your five-star reviews. Thank you for those. If you want to watch video of our podcast, you can do that at myhopenow.com com and neil boron neil boron live out of buffalo new york roger marsh of the bottom line from the people's republic of california i think they still celebrate christmas out there john this rush rush sure. to reason yeah rush to reason denver colorado myself bob duco bob duco show out of detroit guys great catching up with you have a great and merry christmas and look forward to our new year's Episode and uh, annual 2022 recap next week. Have a great Christmas, guys! Christmas, thanks, guys! Merry Christmas! Christmas. Thanks for listening, everybody. Merry Christmas to you.
0: You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of today's culture through a biblical lens. Brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. Eighty percent of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. And by Alliance Defending Freedom, defending the First Amendment rights of free speech and religious liberty. Your generous financial support makes it possible for Alliance Defending Freedom to defend religious liberty, the sanctity of human life, freedom of speech, and marriage and family in America and around the world. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the ADF logo to give your financial support. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app and look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.